I wanted to start this podcast to share hunting stories of my experiences and what I've done over the years. There's so much more that is involved in hunting than just pulling the trigger and killing an animal. We want to be inspirational, educational, but we also want to have a good time and teach you how to have a good time as well. It starts from a very early age. I grew up watching Buckmasters and Realtree uh, Outdoors on ESPN. and you know, It was a dream building for me is what it was. I wanted to travel. I wanted to go and see the world, to travel and hunt, and to be a part of the conservation efforts across the world. I look at a gun as a tool, not a weapon. But I teach my kids that this is not a toy, it is a tool, and we only use it when we need to use it. I've killed axis deer, I've killed black buck antelope, all dad, red stags, fallow deer, wild hog, whitetail, turkeys, pheasants, chuckers, total 20 plus animals. All right, guys and gals, welcome back to Hunting Day with Stephen Robbins. I'm your host, Stephen Robbins, and uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to support us, to listen to us, and uh, make us feel important. <laughs> so you are important, Stephen. <laughs> I greatly appreciate that, Brent. So I mean that. Ah, thank you. You're doing a lot for the the hunters out there all across the country. So this is this is going to be a great, great, great way to kick this off. I tell you what, it's definitely something that I know there are other places or other shows that do this, and I just want to be another show. I don't want to be another show. I want to be another show that makes an impact. Sure. Right. And yeah, so, and I think this is what we're doing. I think, and I know we are in the foundation of this podcast. I know we're the grassroots, so to speak. But I also want to take one one minute to highlight Brent. And I know a lot of people throughout this podcast will, from time to time, will get to meet Brent, but they don't know who Brent is. And I've known Brent for a very long time, and I've admired Brent and. Brent has done a lot of great things for our community and for the people around him. I can't say that one person who's met Brent has not been bettered, hasn't become better because of it. And, and I can say that and mean that with every fiber of my being because Brent is the salt of the earth. He is a man after God's own heart. And I say that because I've seen it and I've experienced it through interactions with Brent all across all facets of life, right? And I know you didn't want that introduction, but you got it. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> man, that's 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 really humbling. I appreciate all of that. Um, well, let's let's get into this for your listeners because here, here's what I understand: you got some people that are tuning in and they want to hear about you. They want to hear about you know hunting day. And so last time we were talking. I'd asked you, um, how many different types of animals have you actually gone after in, in a hunting capacity? How many, how many, you know, different types of hunts have you, have you done? Can you, can you tell the listeners a little bit about that? Because I think that that also plays a part into people being interested to hear from you because there's a lot of people out there that I, and I mentioned this last, last episode, um, that even in their 40s, 50s, you know, that have traveled all over the world, there's there's some people that haven't been able to have the opportunities that you've had with hunting big game or um, just rare game and some of these different stories that you've told me about 
you know, here, here recently. It's just, um, I, I'm jealous. I mean, there's a lot of really cool things that you've been able to do and I'm just like, wow, that's so awesome. And there's a lot of people that would benefit just hearing these stories because it not only would it, you know, they could put it up on their, their hunting dream board, but you know, more along the lines, they could, they could, they could learn a lot as far as, um, maybe how they could take advantage of some of these things or, you know, they could, they could figure out, you know, what, who they need to call or, you know, how they can get booked for some of these different hunts or some of those things. And, you know, I know as we have more and more episodes, they'll, they'll, they'll get this information, but let's, let's, let's tell them a little bit about, um, your, your, your portfolio, if you will. Absolutely. So it starts from a very early age of watching hunting shows on ESPN and uh, the, I don't think they would dare have them on there now because of political reasons. But uh, I grew up watching Buckmasters and Realtree uh, Outdoors on ESPN. And I could, you know, it was a dream building for me is what it was. And I saw these guys traveling the, the world, right? And uh, they were killing animals that of trophy proportions that I could I could only imagine because we didn't have that here in Virginia and the, at least in the areas that I was hunting. Right. And, uh, so from an early age, I knew that I wanted to travel. I wanted to go and see the world in so many ways, whether it be just to travel and to see what was there, but also to travel and hunt and to be a part of the conservation efforts across the world. And so because of that, I've, I've, only hunted in the u.s i have not been outside of the country yet uh we were going to go to new zealand and due to covid that trip got put on hold right and now that the world is opening back up i think that that trip is back on the table and so that's going to be something that i can't wait to experience but i'm going to be able to do it with my family that's i think one of the reasons why we were I don't want to say blessed because of the world pandemic, but blessed for us to table this because now when we go back, all three of our kids will be hunting and they'll get to experience that as hunters. And so very cool. Yeah. So deck, he's two years old. Uh, his name's deck Limba. We call him deck for short. Um, sometimes decky anyways, but uh, he's learning his new names, but uh, he is, it's killing him. He watches Ava and Zoe go hunting and comes back and they're excited, right? And he tells me, he's like, I want to go do that, you know? And he says it in the most precious little kid voice that you could possibly imagine. But, uh, so, what, what, so tell me this because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a new dad. At, you know, I got a 16 month old, you know, son. And how early can kids hunt, Stephen? So, thankfully virginia doesn't have a, a law that says a kid must be age whatever to start hunting and so my kids i start them shooting a single shot 22 at two and a half years old wow and i make them shoot iron sight or open sight that way they are comfortable with any gun yeah as they grow up right and so then i graduate them to the same gun but i will put a scope on it but they don't just get a scope on their gun and then we go shoot i actually give them that scope to carry around with them and to find certain objects i'll say hey find this object and tell me when you found it and so it becomes a game right and it's a game that they like to get good at 
And so that's once, awesome. Once we go to the range, I can say, "Hey, find the bullseye," and they know automatically how to find the bullseye. Instead of, I see a lot of a lot of new shooters where they will look through the scope for what they're looking for instead of acquiring their target and then looking through the scope, right? And so we spend a lot of time on the fundamentals. And it's really tough to teach a two-year-old fundamentals that you don't have to teach them over and over and over again, right? It's no different than potty training. And so, but you're doing it with something that some people would, consider uh, I don't I look at a gun as a tool yeah not a weapon yeah it can be course. it can be used as a weapon right but I teach my kids that this is not a toy it is a tool and we only use it when we need to use it and it, for our kids sake that is for hunting purposes only but they do not have access to these guns or anything like that I do want to state that because we do make sure everything is safe. Yeah. And uh, and I only take one kid at a time to the range. Yeah. Because they need my undivided attention and I don't need another kid doing something to distract me or them. And so yeah. uh, we spend a lot of time, um, a lot of rounds get shot down range before we ever go step foot in front of an animal because it is our duty to be ethical in everything that we do and to make a one shot, one kill and a quick kill at that and so um deck is coming up he's actually right there at the two and a half year mark and so he's about to get his first 22 and i'm excited i i I get excited because i like to buy guns but i get more excited when i get to tell my wife i bought guns for our kids and then i still get to use them (laughs) that's so awesome So, oh man! So you're you're also a connoisseur of, of firearms, yes? Yes, absolutely. Um, so t- tell us about you know what 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 what's your what's your favorite um, type of firearm that you own? Oh my goodness! Okay, so I think every caliber has a reason. Okay, but the most all around caliber has to be a. Th- 30 caliber of some sort, whether it be a 308 or 300, right? But my favorite all-time caliber or my all-time firearm is my 308. It's a Savage Model 10. It's not really the entry level, but it's like a mid-range gun. And uh, it's actually a bench gun. It's made for shooting long range. And it's heavy as can be. It's not really a good field gun, but I love it in the field because when I know I put the crosshairs on something, it's going right where I want it to go. I have some other guns that are amazing, but I've carried this gun more, I think, in the last 10 years than any other gun I've got. And it's just, it's, it's old faithful. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. What, um, for our, our, our our gun enthusiasts out there and, and pistol enthusiasts, do you, um, do you do any kind of, cause I've seen, um, pictures and propaganda of people taking, you know, large revolvers with scopes out to like hunt with and stuff like that. Have you ever done anything like that? I haven't. I have a buddy that does it. And, uh, I can't say that I've jumped on that train yet. You know, um, it's, it's common. I know it is because I, i definitely want to kill an animal with every available option. Sure. Um, and so I do have a pistol that um it's a 45 cal 
that it's got an amazing trigger. It's actually a CZ. It's the CZ97BD, and the trigger in it is just smooth as can be. And I'd love to go hog hunting with it. And I don't know why hogs, but that's the that's that's what I want to go hunting with it. And uh, I see that happening sooner than later. That's awesome. Yeah. I um maybe you can help me with this. I the first revolver that I ever got was a gift from my my dad's dad, and it was a Ruger Super Super Blackhawk forty four Magnum. <laughs> oh my goodness yes okay single 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 action so you you pull the hammer back you know there's no just you know cranking the trigger it's yeah. you know this is thought out you know this is this is a very much a a target you know slash you know could be a hunting firearm um, with the right optics and you know the right training uh, which i would i would definitely need um i've i've, I've shot this 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 pistol and it is it's a beast. I mean, this this Ruger Super Blackhawk forty four Magnum. I mean, <laughs> it's 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 every bit. When you see people posting these funny videos on YouTube of like them like hitting themselves in the face with like a like a fifty cal or forty four Magnum or something like that. It, I first shot this thing at like twelve years old under the supervision of my my grandfather, and he told me he's like, look you must <laughs> like do these things. <laughs> Otherwise you're going to have a black eye and, or worse or, you know? Yeah. And, and so he, he tries to, you know, do his, do his fair share of freaking me out in a good way, you know, in a responsible way. So I don't do something dumb. And, um, and then of course, you know, walks me through other you know, the fundamentals of, of shooting it. And uh, that was, that was a cool experience, but I had to ask because I have that as a memory for me as a boy. And, um, I know that you've got a, 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 an incredible collection. So, um, what what else? Why don't we Why don't we jump into? I know that you are going to talk a little bit about some um, turkey season twenty twenty two. Is there anything else before we jump into turkey season that you wanted to that you wanted to go through a little bit more before we we go on into that, or do you want to go ahead and jump in? Well, I definitely would like to hit on the animals that you asked me about oh. earlier. <laughs> So, listen to me. I'm just like <laughs> speeding right on through. No, no I want to hear good. about these animals. Let's so, definitely, let's do that. Definitely. Yeah. So, uh, so for me, I've killed, uh, whew, okay. So I've killed axis deer. I've killed black buck antelope, all dad, red stags, fallow deer, wild hog, whitetail deer, turkeys, pheasants, chuckers uh, i'm gonna say total 20 plus animals in the u.s and so some free range majority of them free range some high fence and uh i know there are some guys that just they look down on high fence hunting and what that is is it is a fence that is eight foot or taller or i believe it's maybe 10 foot or taller to, to enclose animals right and i'm not talking like 40, 60, 100 acre fences, I'm talking 2,000 plus acres, right? 1,100 plus acres. And so the idea of, of high fence hunting is a lot of people think is it's a canned hunt, but it still takes skill of some sort, whether it be you, the scouting part, that's, that's, it's already done for you. You know where the animals are, right? But you still have to make skilled shots you have to be an ethical hunter and so 
uh, maybe I'm not doing high fence hunting justice in my explanation of it, but it's not as easy as everyone thinks that it is. And majority of my high fence hunting that I've done, I've done with a bow, right? Or a blow gun or a spear. So, <laughs> so things that, you know, a recur. Got to keep it interesting. Right. And so, no, I've, I've killed a few things with a rifle, no doubt. Right. And bucket list animals that I know I'm not going to travel to that country. There's just no way that I'm going to do it anytime soon or at the time that I have the resources to go do that. Right. And so I, I've, I'm not ashamed to say that I've done it. I support it because I think hunting in general is a good thing, whether it's high fence hunting or free range hunting. Right. And majority of high fence hunting is a great way to get kids involved. Right. Because our goal to bring a generation into hunting is to make it enjoyable, right? And so if it's not always about a kill, but if we can put animals in front of kids, it keeps it interesting, right? And so, yeah, you know, does killing animals kind of, it's the glue, I think, that solidifies what makes a hunter? Because if you can't kill an animal, you're not a hunter. That's that's kind of my opinion. Sure. Right? And some people will kill an animal, and then they're done. It wasn't for them. They experienced it, and that's okay, right? Because at least now they know what it takes. A lot of people, unfortunately, don't know where their food comes from. They just think it comes from the store. And I know that's so cliche, because, or at least it's cliche in the hunting industry. It's amazing, because here's the thing. You'll have people that you run into, and they want to bash you for being a hunter or this or that and or or encourage you and all of this other stuff if they if they've actually been out there and they've done the stuff or they've they're in agriculture or they're a farmer or something like that they get it um i think it's fascinating that you bring this point up because not knowing where your food comes from and what if you if you do hunt and you've talked about this on previous episodes if you if you are a hunter and you do it the ethical way as all hunters should, you're not a poacher, you're a hunter. You know, you, you look at, you know, game preserve preservation, um, landscape preservation, you know, all these things, you know, you're taking care of your surroundings and the, the actual, um, the actual animals that you're going after. It's not just, Hey, shoot everything you can. And that's, that's, that is not what a hunter does. Um, I, it's just, this is, this is really good. And I, th I think there's a lot of things that can be expounded upon here, um, throughout not just this episode, but I, I wanted to highlight it because um, it's, it's just important. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Because knowing where your food comes from, especially organic food, free ranging food, you know that you get the best protein available that God has put on this earth. There is no man made chemical or anything that has been put into that animal. And you know that it is the best that your body can intake, right? And so I'm, I, I love clean eating, right? And so I love venison of all proportions, whether it be elk to whitetail to axis to black, but whatever, whatever category you put venison in, right? Or animals you put in the category of venison, that's what I want in my body. Right. And that's what I want my family to eat because I know that I'm giving them the best. And so I'm not against grocery stores, right? Because they are essential to majority of the people in the world because 
not everyone's going to go out and hunt for their food. I, we are blessed that we don't have to survive by hunting as a, Absolutely. as a culture, as a society, right? We have the luxury of going down the road and eating fast food. We have the luxury of going to the grocery store, but they, and we have that luxury because of farmers that develop that. Right. And so thank you to the farmers out there because without you, this world does not go around, but I like to supplement with my own red meat and my own white meat. <laughs> so. Yeah, absolutely. So next on, 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 on the list, I know that's something that, you know, if we're talking about where food comes from, Steven, um, do, do you have any good insight for listeners here on butchering processing, um, post post kill, how, you know, um, taking care and, you know, uh, taking care of, of the animal and making sure that you get it in a timely fashion to where it needs to go. And, you know, some of these things. Yeah, absolutely. So dressing an animal, once it has been harvested is important, right? Because you don't want anything to spoil. And so we have to remove the entrails as, I don't want to say as quickly as possible, but the temperature outside really affects your window of opportunity to, to not taint or spoil the meat. And so what I like to do is I give the animal plenty of time to expire, right? And if I'm bow hunting, I, I do 30 minutes after a shot. I get down, I check, I make sure that I made a good shot based off of sign on the ground, and then I begin my blood trail. Once I've found that animal, I immediately remove all of its insides, right? And so the reason for that is, one, I can open it up and I can let it air out. I can let the heat come out of the animal and that gives me a longer window now to be able to properly handle the meat. On a colder day, I have a little bit longer of a, a window, right? But if, say, I'm early season, early October, and it's 90 degrees out, and I've killed animals in 90-degree temperature, you've got to be quick, right? And so and then you got to get it home to hang it and skin it or take it to the processor. And... I I tell people all the time, know who your processor is and know how they handle your meat because not every processor is the same. And I'm not downing processors by no means because sure. I use them a lot because I kill a lot of animals. Sure. And I don't have the time all the time to sit, sit around and butcher. I do the first animal of the year always gets butchered at my house because I want it's a crash course or a refresher for my kids. Because I make them be a part of everything, right? So they were a part of the scouting, the sighting in, the shooting. Now they're going to be a part of the processing and knowing where that meat came from. And so those first few animals, they get done at my house. After that, I rely on the luxury of processors. <laughs> yeah, hey, I get it. I get it. You know, schedules are busy. There's a lot of people listening in on the podcast who – you, know, you work full time and you're just trying to get out there and you're trying to hunt, enjoy your time in the, in the tree stand or whatever you're doing behind the blind. And, you know, you're just trying to maximize. And, um, you know, some people really enjoy the, the, the butchering process themselves. Some people really enjoy not that part. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, there's, there's options. Absolutely. So it's, it is important though, how you handle your, your game in the field, because that will make or break how your, uh, how your yield comes out. Because if you're, 
meat spoils in any capacity, it's not safe for consumption at that point. So not only did you do a disservice to yourself, but now you've done a disservice to that animal because at one point it was a living, breathing animal and you took its life for one purpose and one purpose only. And that is sustainability and quality protein. And so now if you've not done the proper steps, you've, uh, you've ruined it. And so that animal lost its life for no reason. Yeah, that's, that's a sad thing. So we want to make sure that we, you know, um, talk about these, these, these things to make sure that people are, um, doing these, these hunting practices in yep. the, the appropriate way for sure. Absolutely. Now, the one other thing I wanted to talk about, about proper field care of your game, and we'll touch very much more in depth on a future podcast, but is if you choose to mount your animal, right? So now you've got to be able to get this animal to a taxidermist and have it to give it to him at the utmost. You need to be able to give your taxidermist an opportunity for 100% success. And what I mean by that is if your animal sets in the sun or lays on a certain spot for so long or a certain period of time, and that's all based off weather conditions, you can ruin a cape. And so we want to be able to, if we're going to honor this animal by displaying it in our house or anywhere, right? If we're going to display it and honor it, we've got to be able to properly take care of it and that's that goes into that as well and so we will touch base on that we actually have a taxidermist already lined up for a future episode and uh he is uh he's who does all of our work and he's actually out of uh local in virginia yeah local timberville virginia timberville virginia okay perfect yeah that's great and so right down the road yeah and he'll go over step by step what to do to preserve your trophy before it gets to him or any other taxidermist that way they are set up for success no that's that's great and honestly i'm i'm really pumped about that because um i i don't know and so i i've got to i've got to learn these things too so i appreciate you sharing that um anything else Stephen, today before we we start wrapping up so i want to share some possible upcoming hunts right and so there's we're obviously still in turkey season and i'm going to be hunting pennsylvania uh and possibly west virginia um i've been invited by a few friends over in west virginia actually we used to live there and so um got a few buddies that want me to come do some video and for them and uh there's a chance there but definitely pennsylvania for some uh more eastern long beard action but we are going to florida in may on a 15-year wedding anniversary. Oh, okay. And Congratulations. I, I Thank you. Thank you. Um, I don't know if I would make it to 16, though, if I do what I want to do. And I want to go on an alligator hunt. Oh, so, man. Unless Crocodile I could, Dundee all of a sudden. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to be jumping out of the boat. <laughs> unless the alligator comes in the boat then there's a good chance i'm going to jump out but. so you're going to be using like a big buoy knife just right down through the skull like yeah. he does in the movie huh yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm thinking either bow or uh spear bow or spear yeah. man that that just gets the testosterone going thinking about that that's like whoa yeah yeah so i don't know i don't know yet um we're going to see what we can make happen there. but that, So that's May. Well, April is turkeys. May, some more turkeys probably, but possibly an alligator hunt. But then June 
is big time on the Chesapeake Bay for shooting stingrays. And it's kind of a taboo subject because a lot of people, and I hate using the term a lot of people, right? Because that generalizes things. But people outside looking in see us shooting these Calno stingrays or southern stingrays and they don't like it because they don't understand it but the stingrays do a lot of damage in the bay especially to oyster beds and the crab population and so we got to keep them in check and i have no problem doing that because they're delicious and so that sounds awesome and so we go down when we shoot stingrays Um, we shoot them with our bows and we hand line them in, right? We fight them in, and we uh, they they make some awesome grilled or deep fried nuggets. I mean, they're they're a really good meat, and uh, it's an acquired taste. But once you acquire it, you'll love it. And then while we're also there, we shoot spade fish, we shoot cobia, and uh, we're uh, I actually know my buddy uh, Shane. He at one point, and he may still do it, but he. He held the world record cobia shot with a bow, and so really? yeah, and uh, this was this was a few years ago. So I'd have to check with him and see if anyone's beat him. And if they have, I obviously got to give him crap about it because. <laughs> so shout out to Shane Williams if you if you don't. Man, that's incredible, yeah, man! You, way to go, Shane. That's yeah. that's good stuff, Shane. If you don't hold the record anymore, I'm disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, we're. Uh, we're definitely we this, this time of year is definitely really busy because there's so many activities and so many things to do and when the water sports is what I like to call it opens up it really kind of you can go just about anywhere and do just about anything and so shooting snakeheads on the Potomac that's a really hot topic right now and um, I would love in the future to do an episode on just snakeheads and their impact on the Chesapeake Bay and all the tributaries that uh, feed the uh, Chesapeake Bay. Snakehead, it's a, it's a really good white flaky meat. And I tell you what, it's uh, it's the best freshwater fish that you can eat, in my opinion. And uh, a lot of people would agree with me on that. And so we will definitely do a podcast episode on that in the near future and uh i'll actually get in a couple guys i think we'll bring in for that because we've got a few guys in virginia as well as maryland who are just tearing them up right now and uh they are really good at at, at doing that guys listen this has been awesome as we wrap up here definitely um post any kind of questions you have for steven or send to our, our email that we'll be posting up on the, uh, the podcast description just click the link in the bio and uh, we will be happy to respond or use your comments or take your questions in the podcast so if um especially if it's something to where it's constructive and other people know about it we may invite you to come on as a guest so with that being said Thank you, Stephen, for for doing this. Thank you for having Hunting Day. And for now, keep hunting and do what God calls you to do.